Shalom and welcome to Israel Policy Pod. I'm Evan Gottesman, Associate Director of Policy and Communications at Israel Policy Forum. This week we're taking a break from our normal content to talk about something a little closer to home. Last Saturday, a gunman attacked a Pittsburgh synagogue, murdering 11 people. They were Cecil Rosenthal, David Rosenthal, Sylvan Simon, Bernice Simon, Jerry Rabinowitz, Richard Gottfried, Daniel Stein, Rose Mallinger, Melvin Wax, Joyce Feinberg, and Irving Younger. It was the deadliest anti-Semitic attack in American history. The aftermath of the shooting has elicited a broad spectrum of opinions and emotions across the American Jewish and broader U.S. political spectrum, with many asking questions about the heated political environment in this country, including rhetoric coming from the highest levels of government. The shooter clearly subscribed to far-right political beliefs and deranged white genocide conspiracies. In a social media post before the attack, the murderer cited the work of Hayas, the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society, a refugee and immigration assistance organization, as a pretext for attacking American Jews. But we don't let bigots shape the narrative. That's why we're taking out this episode to highlight Hayas's important history in the American Jewish immigration story and their essential work with other refugee and immigrant populations today. And we're lucky to be joined by Naomi Steinberg, Hayas's Senior Director of Policy and Advocacy. Naomi, thanks so much for joining us in what is such a trying time for all of us in the American Jewish community, and I'm sure in your organization most especially. Well, thank you, Evan. We we really do appreciate the opportunity to, to join the podcast and have this conversation with you today. So let's just take a step back and talk about Hias as an organization. Now, this is a group that has played a really central role in the American Jewish immigration story and with other immigration populations more recently and into today. And if you're listening to this podcast in the United States, there's probably a good chance if your family came to this country in the past century that Hias played some part in that. So what is Hias's mission today and how has that evolved since the organization's inception more than 100 years ago? Sure. I, I appreciate the question, and I hope you forgive me if before I talk about Hyas's work and our mission, if I just start by saying that um, I know that we will be talking about Pittsburgh later in the conversation in more detail, but I just want to be sure to start by saying that everyone here at Hyas really is devastated by the tragedy. The loss resonates with us and the entire American Jewish community. So our thoughts are first and foremost with the Tree of Life Congregation, Congregation Dor Hadash, the New Light Congregation, and of course our local resettlement partner, Jewish Family and Community Services of Pittsburgh. But with that said, to answer your question, Hyas is the Global Jewish Refugee Protection Agency. We were founded in 1881 on New York's Lower East Side. Hyas has been helping refugees and immigrants for our entire history. From the very start, we rescued Jewish refugees, those who were fleeing pogroms in Tsarist Russia, the horrors of World War II Europe, the former USSR, as well as Iran, Cuba, and Egypt. During Hyas's first 120 years, we resettled 4.5 million Jews. So Evan, as you said, um, there would hardly be an American Jewish family in this country that is in some way not connected by the work of Hyas. 
But as the nature of refugees flows, of refugee flows and crises changed, so did the work of Hyas. Today, Hyas works with refugees of all faiths from around the world. We are one of the nine national refugee resettlement agencies. The U.S. Refugee Resettlement Program is a public-private partnership. We partner with the U.S. government and with local communities around the country to, to resettle and welcome refugees. Specifically, we work in 17 local communities, including in Pittsburgh, with our partner, Jewish Family and Community Services of Pittsburgh. And we also work in 10 countries to help refugees start their lives anew in safety. Even though we work with refugees of all faiths from all over, our work remains deeply based in our Jewish values, the value of welcoming the stranger. Our history as American Jews and as an organization is inextricably intertwined with the immigrant and refugee story of the United States, and we remain steadfastly committed to serving refugees and standing up and speaking out for refugee protection and welcome. So, as you mentioned, Hyas works with a whole range of refugee groups today, not just Jewish refugees and Probably the last time there were a big number of Jewish refugees would be the collapse of the Soviet Union, and that was almost 30 years ago. Um, so in that period, and even before that period, how has Hyas made the transition from being a group that mostly focused on Jewish refugee crises to one that works with a broader range of populations and demographics in different countries as you do today? Sure. You know, well, at the very core, our work remains the same, even though our work has transitioned. And as I said, we're working with refugees from around the world of all faiths. It's very similar to the work that we did in the first 120 years of our existence. We have always welcomed refugees and immigrants. But it became clear to the organization that as refugee crises changed, um, as the number of Jewish refugees thankfully dramatically diminished, that we had a lot to, to offer, we had a lot to share, we have a lot of experience and could help refugees from other parts of the world and of other faiths because it is just a core tenant of who we are, not only as an organization, but as American Jews. This, this notion of welcoming the stranger, it is an inherent part of who we are. And so there was um, a transition and our work has expanded. And as I said, we are now working in 17 local communities, welcoming refugees that the U.S. government resettles. And we are working in 10 countries overseas. And so it was certainly a transition process, but one that is continuing to be rooted in us as a Jewish organization with a deep Jewish history. So what are some of the biggest uh, refugee crises that Hyas is working on today. Well, I mean, I, if I could take a step back, I mean, I could certainly talk about specific populations. I mean, we all know that the Syrian refugee crisis just continues to be of top priority. I just days ago came back from Bangladesh, where they are now hosting between 1.4 and 1.5 million Rohingya refugees, refugees who fled a religiously motivated genocide. Those are the Muslim refugees coming from Myanmar, correct? That is correct. These are Muslim refugees who um, experience, are survivors of genocide. Um, and so there is no shortage of refugee crises. There's no part of the world that is untouched. But in addition to to focusing on specific refugee populations, our work as as an organization, and for me specifically as the head of our advocacy department, 
it is really focused, I would say, here domestically on making sure that refugee protection, that refugee resettlement, and that our asylum system remain alive, that we, um, that we are continuing to fight to make sure that this country actually welcomes refugees and has a safe, humane, and legal asylum system, too. We are really looking at, we're experiencing an existential threat to these very important life-saving programs, and so a lot of our advocacy has focused Right, on and it's certainly no secret that refugees and immigration have become really central sources of partisan contention in American domestic politics in recent months and years. So because of that, have you seen the challenges of your work in the United States change or increase? Yeah, no, I I appreciate the question. And again, from an advocacy perspective, our work is highest, but also all refugee advocacy and resettlement and service organizations, our work has changed dramatically in recent years because what we're seeing now is this toxic national political debate about refugees and refugee resettlement. And so while this is not an altogether new phenomenon, it has reached a really a fevered pitch. There is now space that has been created for refugees to become political targets and in many ways demonized. demonized. And this is troubling for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is that the U.S. Refugee Resettlement Program is one that has been built on bipartisan and multi-faith support. So since the formal inception of the program in 1980, both Republicans and Democrats have recognized the tremendous value that the resettlement program adds to our country. There has been sort of this foundational recognition that not only does resettlement save lives, it also plays an invaluable role in our foreign policy and national security deliberations. It has been proven that resettlement makes our community stronger and our country safer. And so, for example, in the 1980s, under President Reagan, hundreds of thousands of refugees were admitted. And after 9-11, when refugee admissions decreased in the immediate aftermath of those attacks, President George W. Bush didn't actually lower the refugee admissions target. His administration remained committed to restarting the program. But that's not what we're experiencing now. Bipartisan support for the program has waned, and refugee welcome has become the political third rail, if you will. So now it's just a kind of political football that people throw out during elections to That's drum up right. votes. It's become it's become a, a toxic thing to touch. And that's not because the merits of the program have changed or that the commitment to welcome refugees in local committee communities has diminished. It's quite the opposite. But because it's now there are politician who thinks politicians who think it is okay to score cheap political points on the backs of refugees. And this is really, really um, deeply troubling. And it's especially troubling because it's happening in a time when we're seeing the dismantlement of the U.S. Refugee Resettlement Program in the midst of the worst global forced displacement crisis in history. There are more than 25 million refugees worldwide, and it's estimated that 1.2 million of them are in need of resettlement. But less than 1% of those refugees will be resettled. And specific to the United States, the average annual refugee admissions goal since the inception of the resettlement program in 1980 has been 95,000 refugees per year, with arrivals actually averaging at 80,000. And in one year, even in the 1980s, the U.S. resettled up to 200,000 refugees in one year. But what we are now seeing is that refugee admissions are shrinking before our very eyes. So do these domestic American changes impact or create challenges in your work overseas? Because you mentioned that, you know, Hyas's work is not just in America, 
but it's in multiple countries. You were just in Bangladesh. So are you seeing this dynamic play out in other countries that you're working in? Yeah, I mean, so for example, you know, last fiscal year, we resettled slightly more than 22,000 refugees. And the ceiling, the admission ceiling for this year is a historic low at 30,000. And you know, when I was in Bangladesh, as I said just last week, I was told that it is increasingly difficult, not just for people from the U.S., but from the from the European Union, too, to do advocacy about, for example, what the government of Bangladesh should be doing differently. They kept their borders open to let more than a million Rohingya refugees come in. And here we are fighting about if we should admit 30,000 refugees in any given year. We have lost our moral standing. We have ceded that, that position. That That's just fascinating to me because Bangladesh is such a densely populated country, such a huge population, but I guess this isn't as much an issue for them as it's been made into here. Well, I mean, the thing is, I mean, that... That, that country, that refugee crisis is top of mind because that's just where I was. But this is happening all around the world. You know, Lebanon is hosting more than a million Syrian refugees. Jordan has opened its borders to hundreds of thousands. And so it, it makes it makes the fact that, as I said, that we can't resettle more than 22,000 refugees in any given year disturbing. It makes the fact that the that we are now talking about a group of asylum seekers, women and children and families who are walking thousands of miles to our southern border. And there are people in this country who are referring to them as invaders. So when we look around the world at other countries that are significantly poorer than we are, and that they're opening their borders and their countries to to millions of refugees, and we can't, we can't, um, manage to do more than what we're doing right now, that is, um, it's sending a terrible example to the rest of the world. Right. There certainly have to be really big international shockwaves for the United States to suddenly be backtracking on these immigration and refugee issues after historically being and, and continuing to be a place that people who have to leave their own countries of origin aspire to go to and still aspire to go to. And all of this seems to have come to a fore in this anti-Semitic terror attack in Pittsburgh, which unfortunately put Hyas in the headlines for the wrong reasons. So, you know, thinking about Pittsburgh and the horrible tragedy that took place there, how has your organization been reacting to this? Yeah, you know, again, I just want to reiterate that our thoughts, like the rest of the American Jewish community, our thoughts and our priorities are are facing towards Pittsburgh. You know, we have all been impacted by this, but of course not the same way that the community members in Pittsburgh have been. So that's our top priority. It is important to note, though, and I think you were you were touching on this, that that the the murderer in Pittsburgh who killed 11 Jews as they prayed, he did so not just because he was an anti-Semite. He also did so because he was motivated by hatred for refugees and the Jews that welcomed them. And that he could turn something as peaceful as a Shabbat service into something of such horror is at the same time shocking. Of course, it has to be shocking. But on some deeper level, it's not surprising because we have seen the steady uptick in anti-Semitism and in an anti-refugee sentiment in this country. And what happened last weekend in Pittsburgh 
cannot and should not be separated from either of those. But in terms of what Hyas has been doing in response, in addition, in addition to mourning with those in Pittsburgh, what it has really done for us is it has shown us that our mission is more important than ever. While our organization will likely never be the same, our core values and dedication to refugee protection, they remain unchanged. We will keep on doing our work. We will keep on welcoming. We will keep on organizing. We will keep on advocating. Our very existence is a symbol, is a representation against hate, because when you are welcoming refugees, that is the opposite of hate. So our very commitment to our mission, it remains steadfast. We are not going anywhere. And so we are going to double down on doing the work that we have been doing for more than 130 years. And um, we remain committed to doing so. Right. And that continuity is so important. Because, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, you don't let bigots shape the narrative, and you don't let evil people tell the story. So to hear that you and your organization are going to continue on as you have gone on for over 100 years is really inspiring, and that seems to be the outlook for the whole community. So, Naomi, thank you again for joining us especially under the current circumstances. We really appreciate hearing from you and about the important work that you're no, doing. No, thank you so much. As I said, we really do appreciate the opportunity. That was Naomi Steinberg. She's the Senior Director of Policy and Advocacy at the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society. Thanks for tuning in to this special episode of Israel Policy Pod. You can learn more about Israel Policy Forum on our website, www.israelpolicyforum.org and on our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Telegram. And you can learn more about HIAS at www.hias.org.